In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I will have a different crew later on in the episode, but for right now, I have with me Austin and Umpty. Hello. I have Tara the Inquisitor. Hi. And I have Gary the Stud. That's me. You'll notice, and I'm Bob Christman, your host, by the way, you'll notice that Eric, the artist, is not with us, and there's a reason for that. First off, Eric is off busy doing his thing. He's off doing his chalk art thing, which Eric, good luck with that. I hope everything is going cool with that. Uh, he's a busy man in the summertime of the year. And on the flip side of that, Eric is, you know, being a busy guy, but he also hasn't seen the two movies we're going to talk about here at the beginning of the show, and I just thought it would be kind of unfair to have Eric sit here and listen to everything that went on in two movies that he just did not watch. That really Cruelty. was not a fair thing. Yeah, yeah, kind of cruel and, and, and unusual punishment for Eric. So, long story short, Eric's not here for those reasons, and we wanted to talk about two movies that I, well, let's face it, they're the summer blockbusters. There's just no way around it. At least so far, I think they are one, two of the three biggest summer movies, I believe, that what's, are probably going to blow out the summer box office. What's the third one? Well, the third one is Spider-Man Homecoming, oh. which most of us have seen here, except for you, son. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> Family night work. happened, and I had work. Yeah. Okay, so. Yeah, go Fifi. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start off with... The Marvel movie of the summer that started the summer off, I guess it was kind of a late spring, early summer movie, and that is Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Now repeat back what I just said. I agree. No! No, that's the button that will kill everyone! Try again. I am Groot. Mm-hmm. I am Groot. Uh-huh. No! So, Gary, what were your thoughts of Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Because we went and saw this in completely separate times. I think you saw it before we did. No, no. no. Or was it the other I, I saw it way after you did. You saw it way after us? Yes. Oh, it was, it was oh, Wonder wow. Woman that you saw before yep. me. You saw yep. Wonder Woman almost the night that it came out. So, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, overall thoughts. What did you think of this movie? Good, bad? Were you kind of, eh? Or were you kind of like, this was awesome? Or were you kind of like, bleh? 
this was awesome. Then I got to the middle. Uh, bleh. <laughs> and then at the end, I got excited because they brought the old Guardians of the Galaxy in. Okay. So give me the part at the beginning you thought was awesome. Like, like what were you thought was cool about the beginning? Baby Groot. <laughs> you like Baby Groot? Yep. <laughs> if, yeah. it was, if it wasn't for Groot, I don't think I really paid much attention to mm. the whole movie. I, I worried about that a little bit, only that it seemed like Groot became almost a focal point. For the movie, there were there were two characters wow. that really became the focus of this movie. Baby Groot, I thought, was one, and Rocket the Raccoon was was yeah. another focus for the whole movie. And I got worried about that because the whole movie should have been bent around the idea of finding out who Star Lord's father is. Uh, and I think that came. I, I think that took a back seat until yeah. almost three quarters of the way into the movie, when it was finally revealed that the ego. Was was Star Lord's father? Yeah, but you have to remember, BB Groot didn't go with them to Eagle the Planet anyway, so he was not there for a majority of the movie. Neither was Racket. Correct. Yeah, and you're calling them the crutch. But what I'm saying is, he was a focal point, even though he wasn't for the, there for the but, first quarter. I'll give you, he was the focal point for like the first quarter of the film, not three quarters. But the whole part of being an eagle and everything did nothing for me. I agree with you. Ego felt like a gigantic waste of time almost and, to an extent. And, and in my opinion, too, just my opinion, I still can't get over how a planet could be the, the father of Star-Lord. Well, Even if they explained it the way they did, I still don't get it. I don't buy it. Yeah, I don't buy it either, but... the the, to be a, the, the aluminum sighting salesman didn't say, uh, sign it or sell it to me really good. Yeah, but he had to be some sort of original person in the galaxy, given his powers. Well, okay, yes the, and no. They could have used the original, the comic book father. Yeah. I don't know who that was, so... so. He's technically... He was the king of... Which planet? I forget. I, I, I he was so. a king of a planet. I know that much. That made him a prince of some sort. Oh. And, yeah. And Ego certainly did not play a role in Star-Lord's world in any way, shape, or form. And technically oh. speaking, wasn't he related to Scott Summers, or am I mixing that up with something else? You're mixing everything up. I'm mixing, mixing it all up. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm goofballing. Yeah. No, Star-Lord was... was His father was a, a king of some planet, and that made him a prince... Which made him a big deal because he was a prince of something, even though he was an Earthling, because he was half Earthling, half whatever his father was, and I forget what the okay. official alien race was. Right. Okay. Um, and, and that made him a prince, and that's eventually he finds that out. And right. Finds, and, finds out he's royal. And, and like uh, Ronan could hold the the purple stone mm-hmm. without without dying. Right. Star Lord could do the same. Right, because okay. because of the race of his father. Yeah. Correct. Okay, his father is uh, one of the uh, Celestials from way back when, and they're related to the Celestials yeah. somehow, and I can't forget it. what that is. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It, it, I thought Ego, as his father, was a really bad crutch. Now, well, did I like Ego the planet the way they did it? Actually, I didn't mind Ego the planet the way they did it. You know, him taking human form, him falling in love with a human being, being as all-powerful as he is, that's why he's ego. Killing his mother. Him killing his mother. I mean, like, all that I didn't mind. It's just, you you took away from a major character. I mean, ego could be an amazing character in the Marvel Universe if you didn't play off this idea that he was Star-Lord's father. I think if they'd have left that part out, I probably would have liked the ending a lot better. I can agree with you on that one. Yeah, and, and like I said, and towards the end, towards the end of the movie, there just got like they ran out of steam. They didn't know how to fin- wrap everything up. 
And that's where I thought the other crutch came in, and that was their other crutch was let's kill a character off. Right. Which they, you know, sorry if you haven't seen the movie, you should have by now. Spoiler uh, alert. I mean, the whole episode's a spoiler alert. But, you know, it, it, uh, killing Yondu seemed like a really easy crutch to me to end the movie. I mean, don't you think that yep. was like, I, that there's a cop-out. That really pissed me off because I hate, I, I've told the actor I hate him and I didn't feel bad because he's a good person. Yeah, it's but, all your fault. You <laughs> killed him off before he was even killed. Yeah. It, it's not my fault. Okay, people, I have to explain this because if they weren't with us, they wouldn't know. We went to Atlantic City Comic Con. No, no, it was Boardwalk. No, Atlantic City Bor- We didn't go to, uh, it wasn't Atlantic City. I wasn't at ECDC. That so. was all of us Atlantic City Boardwalk Con. It was another a different, con. It was a different con that me and you were just at. Really? Was it? Yes. Yes. All I know is you told him off. Yeah, I did. Yeah. She walked right time. over to Michael Rucker and was like, I hated you in The Walking Dead and I hated you in Guardians of the Galaxy and your characters suck. Yeah. And she walks away and Michael Rucker looks at me and I go, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> and he smiled. He goes, well, I'm glad one of two out of a family isn't bad. <laughs> and I go, I don't know how the rest of my family feels, but I like you, Michael. I think uh, you're a cool he's, guy. He, he's not a bad guy from he's what I hear. He's not a bad so. guy. I don't know why I did that. I know what well, I about. I about <laughs> you are who you are. I, I about mean, did the same thing to sit well. Something Hernandez. I about did the same thing to sit well. But you know, <laughs> I I actually cried at the end of the movie because I did not want Yondu to fall uh, die. I felt like he could have gone so much further. Okay, so let series. me ask, ask. Let me ask you that, Gary. Did you see that part coming? Yondu dying. Yes. Yeah. Mm. You thought they were going to kill him off. Yes. Prior to going in the movie, or like during the movie. During the movie, okay. I felt yeah. that during the movie too. Of course, uh, I, I knew. No, you, you, you can't. You, you, you can't be on Facebook and not know any. See, I didn't go on either, Facebook so. for like two weeks prior to the movie, <laughs> well, so I didn't. Well, it's, it's no, the difference fact, of going I, seeing it like a couple of days before or after it comes out, and then right three weeks later. Hey, you know? I I waited <laughs> almost a full week or two to see it with my kids, and I did not know. I'll mm. admit, I was a little teary eyed when yeah. When we found out that Michael Rucker's character died, I was not prepared for it. I didn't think it was going to happen. I yeah. thought somebody else was going to die, but I did not think it was going to be him. <laughs> Who would they kill other than him? I really seriously thought, and this sounds, I mean, you two are going to be like, what? I thought they were going to kill Drax. I thought so, too. He's, uh... Um, yeah, I could see it. Re- remember the uh, Family Guy episode, the, the Star Wars there? Yes. They got... Three of the five main, or four of the five main characters on board the ship. Yes. Then we're going to kill them off. Yeah. I, I, I just, so. I, I'm, oh. I don't know why, but well, I, th- I thought they might kill Drax off in favor of, as as you've pointed out, some of the other older characters. Maybe bring one of the originals back in. You know what I mean. So I, I thought I, Drax would be a good kill because then you can bring somebody else back. The thing that's weird about killing Yondu is the connection to the Ravagers. Because now, what's the connection of the Guardians to the Ravagers without Yondu around? Peter. Peter's the only one. And and we really, to me, uh, we have not established that connection between Peter and the Ravagers. Not very well. The second command under uh, Yondu there. Oh, yeah. That's your connection. I guess that's true. There's a slight connection there. There'll be a connection and then uh, Stakar. You think he'll be in the new connection? Uh, Yeah. Do you think he's going to be... All right, so let's talk about... He's an Easter egg. He is a major Easter egg in this movie. And what's nope. his Easter egg? Uh, one, he's Sylvester Stallone. Well, yeah. <laughs> and the second he's one, Rocky. <laughs> and the second one is he was Judge one of Dredd. the mem- re- original members of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Correct. Yep. And and, and the, 
as an original member, he's who? Starhawk. Starhawk, thank you. I'm trying to scroll down, but my screen won't let me. Yeah. So he plays the role of Starhawk, which, you know, for those who are real Guardians of the Galaxy fans, Starhawk was the leader, right, of the Guardians at first? At if first, I remember yes. correctly. At first. And then later on... Major, it, Major Vance Astro took over. Right. So, you know, to have him come in and play a role in the Guardians would be kind of cool. Uh, it's going to be kind of weird, though, because I kind of feel like when you're doing this, if you do that, okay, so let's say you bring Stallone's character in. Now you're mixing generations of Guardians. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, you're getting old Guardians with new Guardians, and I don't know how I feel about that. Like, even with the Avengers, they're kind of, but they're kind of not mixing generations here. But I don't feel like we crossed the streets. No. Yeah, I guess <laughs> Don't sure. cross the streams. Where, where if I feel like if we bring Stallone in as part of the Galaxy, you know, Guardians... Then all of a sudden you're crossing streams because you got old guardians and new ones and they're crossing together and I don't know it's kind of a weird uh, uh, combination. Do you get what I'm saying? I don't think he's going to take over the part of, no, of no, actually be part Star of the guardians. All right, oh, I, I, what you're I'm, saying. I'm thinking he's just going to be the connection to the, the ravagers and okay, and maybe even there's a second group of guardians. I, I might be okay with that I, I, as long as he doesn't become part of the galaxy the guardians. I'm, I, I, but Starhawk's a cool character. I, I like the character. I'm on, I'm actually kind of upset that when they started Guardians yeah. that they didn't bring Starhawk in. I thought it would have been cool to have him in there. Well, yeah. uh, <laughs> I was really disappointed that they didn't have the original team. <laughs> I, yeah, same here. I, I wanted the original team too, but I'm not surprised that they used, chose the Peter Quill team because of all the Guardians teams. It seems to be the most popular in the comic book yeah, I was about world. To say, that's the most well, but it's because it's just been re- redone in the last couple of years. Correct. Well. You're right. It's, it's the one Within the redone. last ten years plus, you know. So, so speaking plus of Yondu, what, what did you guys think about Yondu getting his mohawk, finally? His his original I felt like at that, at that particular point in the story, when he got that and he took down the entire ship of Ravagers, that's the point where I started realizing he ain't lasting the rest of this movie. This is where the point, that was like his bat last hoorah, and then he was gonna fall. Well, quite honestly, I always felt like Yondu was missing something, like the top of his head got chopped off or something. So, like, I felt like the mohawk completed everything. Because now he actually has hair. Like, does that make sense? <laughs> like, well, maybe it's because we grew up in the 80s. But to me, the mohawk screamed 1980s. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, which. My problem is, is it's, it's like a. Um, a, like a, a computer chip oh. that you plugged into his head. Yeah. When in the original comic, no, it was his actual hair. Right, right. It wasn't intended to be like a piece of plastic. It was right. actually his hair shaved in that, that fashion and to look that fashion. I'll, I'll agree mm-hmm. with you there. Yeah. What did you guys think about... So so let's talk about some of these Easter eggs that are thrown throughout. We're looking at Screen Rant's Easter eggs that are in the planet or on, are on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Now, some of these Easter eggs, not a surprise at all, like Star-Lord's gear. We, we knew that was, you know, I mean, he... he he had stuff from the 1980s. Let's face it. You know him. Him. Us finding out that Drax hates dancing. That's that. That was not a shock at all. Uh, get pe- the people that Peter backstabbed, or not, back, not Peter, but uh, Rocket backstabbed, or by stealing the equipment. Yeah. Yeah. They like arcade games. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, you know, I like that. Tulk showing up. You know, not quite the Tulk we know. Uh, not the fat guy in a ship, you know, which is the Tulk we know. But, I guess you know. that's why I never Look, processed it's, it's Guardians my head that was, that was Tulk. I have to admit, there's a lot of characters that they're going, oh, this person played that person, this place, the person played... But the problem is they don't look like the characters in the comic books, which really, you know, it, it makes well, it hard for me to believe that. See, you know? I know who Tulk was, and I guess it just never processed in my head because they didn't look the right way. 
All right, what about Stan Lee? There's kind of a reveal here about what Stan Lee may have been all these in all these movies. And the reveal is that Stan Lee appears, at least according to this movie, and I, I actually think this is a cool idea, is a watcher Yep. in all the movies. I, first off, I like Stan Lee in every movie. I, I don't know what... To, I'm always looking for him now. So, like, every movie we watch, he's, he's in Homecoming, by the way, for yep. those who haven't seen it. I love the fact that he's in there. And, yeah. Shut <laughs> up. Shut up. And, and it's a great appearance, but it, knowing now that he's a watcher... It is so cool to see him because if he is a watcher, wow, he's got a lot to right. see. Well, you know? they they reveal that he may be, but he may not be, right? Because he doesn't look like the rest of the watchers, and 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 even when the watchers were in it, he was still Stanley. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? I know he's a watcher. He's a watcher. So we also get this Easter egg that Star Lord and I didn't catch this. May have had a glimpse into eternity, which if you don't know what that is. In the Marvel Universe, that's a character. It's not actually literally Eternity. <laughs> it is a character that plays Eternity. And I, I guess I didn't catch that when his eyes glistened over and the stars were in his eyes and he talks about Eternity. Uh, I just kind of, I guess I kind of missed that part of it. Uh, so that kind of grabbed my attention. Okay, Ving Rhames plays this huge role. Did never caught it. This is what I'm talking about. I did not know that Ving Rhames was supposed to represent Charlie 27. Well, he mentioned his name, Charlie 27. I didn't hear that yeah. part. So Again, it was in a boring part of the movie. Well, no. I, it, well, first off, it was in a part of the movie that I was probably a little emotional about. Yeah, you're, so, you're, you're you. crying. You hate tears. I, yeah. yeah, I had tears in my eyes about I mean, the guy. Yeah, probably that's why died. I didn't see it, too. So, for that very reason, I was not processing that that was actually the Charlie... 27. So that part didn't, you know. What about Adam Warlock at the end? The reference to Adam Warlock at the end. I didn't see it. I was in the bathroom. That's right. That's right. You went to the restroom at the very yeah, end. I forgot about it. I never saw it. Well, it was like right between the two credits things. It was. I think it was the second after credit scene, right, Gary? I believe it no, was. No, the yeah. first one was Adam Warlock. second one was the Watcher thing with the... Yeah, because I saw the Watcher thing. Hey, one. he wanted to... Are you going to guys my ride? Or, I oh, can't get right. off the planet, yeah. dude. I need help. <laughs> so he was, he was the first one. So, you know, they hint at the fact that this cocoon is holding... What is going to be Adam Warlock later on? It was an interesting reference. I, I don't know if I liked the way we referenced it. I guess. I, I guess I would have just rather they come right out and say, "Well, Adam's going to be ready," or you know, however you want to reference that. But it just didn't feel right. Yeah. And I don't know. I could have sworn we saw Adam Warlock's cocoon in the first Guardians movie. You did. Yeah, I'm pretty. But you gotta sure remember you did. Uh, the. the collector's uh, place got blown up. Yeah, I okay. guess that's true. Oh. And I will give you that. Maybe but how will... long does he stay cocooned? My understanding was Warlock does not stay cocooned for long. Oh, he, he could be in there forever. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I thought there was a time limit on the amount of time he can be in the cocoon. Kind well, of like just... an inhuman? Kind of, yes. Uh, th- think more of uh, Ra's al Ghul. Where he's, okay. in his, um, oh. he's in his crypt? Lazarus pit, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he goes in there when he's injured and he heals up right. and he can come out at any time. Now, they imply here, and I've read it in several articles, that he could be the only character that can actually hold and use the Infinity Gauntlet beyond That's not true. Thanos. Is that true? Mm. 
without being corrupted by it. Without being oh, corrupted by it. Okay. okay, then I guess. So that's then maybe true. his reveal here at the end is the major role for Infinity War. That no, because Thanos may already put about. him on the Infinity Gauntlet. He put it on without the stones in it. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, once all the stones are in it, somebody's gonna have to get it off his hand, without being corrupted by it. So Adam Warlock is gonna have to play that role. Because if you were as Captain America, Tony Stark, any of the other characters, no, they would be corrupted. They by would it. pick it up and immediately want to use the power for themselves. Correct. And they give yeah. into their and rage that's the problem. And the jealousy. That's the, the problem with the Infinity Gauntlet. It is so powerful that it corrupts the wearer. Absolutely. It's it's terrible. It's like Dark Side of the yeah, Force for Star Wars. Just embodying one item. Okay, so. Let's let's talk. How about Grandmaster, the Grandmaster here, which was played by Jeff Goldblum? What did you think of the role of Grandmaster, Gary? Didn't like it. I didn't. Don't remember. I don't yeah, remember. Just, you don't remember the Grandmaster? He was the one that brought people into a ring and would have them fight, and it was like futuristic, and and he would declare winners and, and give he's them gonna technology. Pop up, he's going to pop up in Thor Ragnarok. He's probably going to pop up in Thor Ragnarok. I'm sure. Well, there's been, yeah, because there's the planet Sakaar that they're going to be on, right? And the gladiator bits, my, just like what he's my, describing. My only qualm <laughs> I already see is his face isn't blue. I know, I was a little bothered by that. We're supposed to assume he's the Grandmaster. They refer to him as the Grandmaster, but he's got a, a blue stripe, and that's it. And I was kind of like, like uh, that was weak, you know? I don't know. Okay. A lot of these actors that they got playing these roles yeah. are not going to go through the prosthetics and makeups and stuff like that. Well, they should. I, I agree. <clears throat> I agree. They should. Suck I'm it. sorry. If you're going to be the Grandmaster, you're the Grandmaster. Which would you tell someone in Star Wars that you don't want to be Chewbacca because you don't want to go through the, the process of the prosthetics? There's no prosthetics on Chewbacca. I know, but shh, don't tell them that. Um, I was, I was, <laughs> she's basically meaning, would you... I was trying to understand what she said. <laughs> she's trying to say that. I what get, I'm saying is... I get angry and talk fast. If, if Jeff Goldblum didn't... If wanted to play the Grandmaster, then somebody should have sat down with him and said, you're going to wear blue makeup. Yeah, yeah at least. And if, gonna, if you don't want to do that, then we'll find somebody who's a little less well-known that will do it. And, and I'm sorry, also, but there's plenty of actors out there be actors mm-hmm. who would gladly put blue makeup on and become the Grandmaster. Yep. And I hate to be that guy, but I'm sorry. If that's the role, then that's the role, and you accept it for everything that it is. It's how it works in Hollywood. you got to wheel and deal to do what you got to do. Batista knew when he took on the role of Drax, somebody even sat him down and said, listen, you are going to spend six hours a day in makeup. He didn't sit down. He stood up. That's right. He, he stood does up the whole time. Yep, he does it standing. That's right. I forgot about that. So just six hours alone, just standing up, just to put the body paint on, plus eight to ten hours of acting, plus another two hours to get all the prosthetics off, to turn around and come back the next day and do it all over again. And, and See, that, no, maybe that's, that's for sure. Of, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Maybe this is kind of my problem with this film. They did not have a lot of alien-looking people in it. Yeah, they all looked human. They all looked human, and that was my major problem because the last film they actually had like you know purple and pink people, but now they don't. I don't know. I thought they had quite a few, but maybe I'm It was maybe the one scenes that I've seen it on were when Yondu's hanging out on that weird planet with, like, all the Ravagers, and and Stallone comes up and bitches him out for what he did with... Yeah, but I'm even thinking about, like, when the Ravagers attacked uh, Rocket the Raccoon and Groot on the planet while they were off with Ego. There were quite a few aliens in that scene, too. Um, I'm just trying to think. There were quite a few aliens. But there's, like, major characters that should not be human. Yeah, I don't think there was too many aliens as much as they were just, uh, like, mutant. Yeah, Yeah, they were mutant, like, repaints or whatever. but Scarred and stuff, more so, you know. But I I think uh, Batista knew 
what he was in for when he got cast as Drax. Yeah. Oh, I do too. And, I think he knew it too. I bet and, you that he's probably a secret closet nerd somewhere on the along the way or something and, like that. And, and he, just face it, his career has went through the went over the moon back. Oh yeah, just I for mean, this role. Just for this role. Yep. Well, it's kind of like you know I'm not making fun of D. Bradley Baker, but let's face it, his career wasn't really taken off anytime soon. Yeah. Until he played the role of Rocket Raccoon, and he's just a voice, but everybody knows now who he Ooh. is and. Uh, not D. Rocket. Bradley Baker. Sorry, Bra- Bradley Cooper. Uh, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> I don't know why I said D. Bradley Baker. I'm like, I'm like, okay. Yeah, Bradley Cooper. Thinking of somebody <laughs> I mean, I'm else. I'm not saying his career was over, but he wasn't skyrocketing at all. Do you get what I'm I saying? I don't know who he was. And and Bradley Cooper takes on Rocket Raccoon, and all of a sudden he probably could get any role right now in Hollywood if he wanted it, especially voiceover roles. I bet he could definitely. Yeah, get. well, that's that's a difference though. Is is he's a voice actor in this movie? This is true. All right, Drax is going to be Drax forever now. Yeah, Batista's going to be Well, it's like Chris Evans. He's trying to get out of Captain America, but the reality is... He can't. He's, he's never not going to be Captain America. Well, would you rather be known as Johnny Storm? <laughs> but, the okay. good or bad I, Johnny Storm. Hang on a minute. Here's my counter-argument to that. I like his Johnny Storm. Who's Johnny Storm? Chris Evans. F- okay, is that the good or bad one? It's the, the Johnny one. Storm from the very okay, first yeah, two films. I'd be fine with that. I like his Johnny Storm. He's I like that one, too. He's supposed to be a stuck-up jerk. And that's exactly what he was in the first two movies. He did a great job of it. Which I, is I, ironic, I, considering he plays Captain America. I agree, <laughs> but, but what I'm saying, though, is... Would you rather be known as Captain America or Johnny Storm? I, I, yeah, I guess How about both? Because that's what he is known as. <laughs> I think, I personally, if I was in his shoes, I would choose Cap. He's more well-known than, no offense, Fantastic Four has its own fandom. Captain America has, like, a fandom double that size. And, and, and yes, he's going to have a problem finding other roles. Because of be it. Pi- because of it. I agree with that. Unfortunately. But, it's the but, thing, kind of like what Hugh Jackman's ha- problem is right now with Logan. He's trying to get out of being Wolverine. Yes, Logan was his last... Oh, no, Hugh Jackman's not having any problems with that at all. Nope. Yeah, he's actually no. not. No. Well, up until Logan, he was having problems getting out of the role. No, he wasn't. No, really? no he wasn't. No. He was Valjean in Les Mis. Yeah, yeah. what are you I know, talking about? I'm saying every single time they wanted to do a Wolverine scene with a character, they wouldn't put anyone but Hugh Jackman in. It was always... But that that's not being typecast. Typecast means that you can't seem to get a role ever except Loki. for that character. Loki's tried yeah, to get away Tom from Tom Hiddleston's Loki. a great example. He cannot get away he from He will it. never get away from Loki he because he is horror. Loki. He was in like a horror movie and he, he couldn't did. even get did that. He, I, I guess he did. In King Kong? Yeah. I he, guess so. Was he, he on Kong Skull? Oh, no, he was on Skull. Okay. Skull I haven't Island. seen it yet. I so, haven't seen it. So, so when I watch that, I'll, I will I will look for that there. Shh. But give me an example of it. I'm trying to think of one that's been uh, like... Robert Downey Jr. Somebody who's been typecast. They can't get out of it. Well, Johnny Depp to an extent. Yeah, he's Jack Sparrow all the he's time. He's Jack Sparrow. And, and, every, and every character he plays is Jack Sparrow. Right. I mean, reality is... Technically, you since, could say Ryan Reynolds. Cause... Since Johnny Depp... No. No, I don't think so. No. no. Uh, Ronnie, Ryan Reynolds is some great movies, and he's got some great ones coming out even right now that have okay. nothing to do with Deadpool. The, the, movie, the movie I liked him in was uh, The Golden Lady. <laughs> yes, good movie. It is a good movie. Apparently, I have to see that one. Yes. But, okay, going back to Johnny Depp, since he took on the role... Of Captain Jack Sparrow, he cannot find a role anywhere else unless who's the director? Tim Burton. Tim Burton manages to pull him in, but every time he does, it's a it's a flop. It, it doesn't it, work. And it, well, I think that's more Tim Burton. Pro- I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. It's the truth. Sorry, Tim Burton. I love I'm, not, you. I'm not. I love I'm you. not. But sorry I for love Tara. You. 
Um, <laughs> the barber there, the demon barber character there. Oh, the barber. Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Yeah. yeah. Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah, oh, yeah. W- yeah. With a razor and With a razor in his hand. Hey! Sort of no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm sorry, yes. Johnny Depp can sing. Okay. So what? Uh, okay. So Jack, Captain Jack Sparrow Jack can, can sing. sing with a razor in his hand. No, come on! I'm Where sorry. All the rum the, go? I'm no. sorry. The guy is typecast for the rest of his life, and unfortunately, he's really good at the role. Don't get me wrong. Well, but he, was he can't, it was, he can't it was, get out of that role. It he was, just can't. It was Charlie Jack Sparrow in the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you there. Into the I Woods. Like he was the one. wolf from Into the Woods. And yep. I'm sorry, there was not enough fur on the I man. I like that one. So, anyway. So... Thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Let's rate this one. Uh, zeros don't bother. Ten's a must-see. I'll start with you, Austin, because I never start with you. So what would you give Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Solid nine. Okay. The reasons are, I have to say, the first quarter of the movie is mostly just having fun and playing with the idea and getting you back into the movie. Then we get serious. It gets a little boring. I'm not saying like it drops severely, but it does get a little boring. And then we get to the end where it's the big battle sequence and seeing Yondu's farewell I think was very well fitting and then of course we have to deal with the uh, Groot scenes at the end which are awesome okay. Tara what would you give this one? Um, I give this a 6 1 through 5 is for Babe Groot wow <laughs> so there's that little half percent there 1 through 5 is for Baby Groot come on okay, I so what's the other one? Yeah, that's the um, one the other one is just simply because, like, it was a good movie, but I have to give it points off because they killed Ego, basically, in a sense. And you cannot kill Ego that easily. And you killed uh, Yondu. We never said that Ego was dead. I know, but I'm just saying, according to the movie, he's dead. Okay. Gary, what would you give this one? I'd give it a five. It would have been a three, but it had a killer soundtrack. Yeah, we'll give you that. Too. Yeah, and yeah. it brought the originals back. That, that gives it two that points. Gave, gave you a couple so, points. Uh, three plus two. It's <laughs> ironic because I was going to give it a six. Some kind wow. of between some of you guys. Uh, you know what? This is the first movie that actually had me worried. Is Marvel losing it? Like, are they losing their Midas touch with these movies? And I think Maybe. this movie actually showed a crack in the chink of the armor of Marvel, where I looked at this movie and I compared it with some other stuff around it, and I went, wow, maybe Marvel isn't the golden child that it once thought it was. It's you know? almost like their casting team and their whole entire crew well, lost I, it. I, well, no, I think they got a little bit, uh... How do Cocky? I put this? Distracted? Well, no, yeah, I'll, I'll put it in terrorist court. What's that? Rushed. Rushed. Uh, but I, I agree with Tara a little bit, too. A little cocky, too. Like, well, it's got a Marvel knit title on it, we don't have to put 100% into this. 90% is uh, good enough. Well, That's kind of what I felt like they did here. I'm I, sorry. I, I felt that way with Iron Man 3, too. I'll, I'll agree with you uh, there. Yeah, I can agree with you then. That one started to worry me slightly, too. But not, believe it or not, not as much as this one did. And, well, because um, they brought there it was back no, after Iron Man there 3. There was no low points in Iron Man 3. I mean, honestly, there were no low points. But This one actually uh, had a low point. The odd thing is we never talked about it. But we all agreed the middle of the movie was really low. I mean, as far well, as it, writing, storyline, what's going on, action, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, it kind of just on. reached a point where it's like, okay, we need this weird breast. I well, don't know why. You're literally looking at your watch going, all right, so how long till Ego's dead and we end this movie? Yeah. 
Come on, you can't tell me that all of you faced that at some I point in this movie. Asleep. And I have to, I'll give you, when Drax, or not, when Groot and Rocket were on the screen, they stole the show. Every time. It's basically the same and, okay. problem that we have. It's that the direction was taken the wrong way. So, here's my last point. Mantis, which we didn't talk about, big disappointment to me. Yeah. She was a huge okay, I don't yep. disappointment. I don't completely understand how Man- Mantis plays into the Marvel lineup of characters. Gary? I'm going to say that one of the problems that we have with Star Wars Rebels yes. is the team was broke up. Correct. That is the problem with this movie. Correct. I, I can oh, feel it. Okay, that, I can feel it. Yeah, when you pulled... The part we liked was the beginning. When they the were team together. was working together against that big creature. And the end, when the team was together with extra people. We liked that. We didn't like the middle, because what did we do with the team? They broke them up. Broke them up and put them in different spots. So Disney has this formula, for whatever reason, that they like to work with, where there's a team. Let's break them up, move them, and, and separate. It doesn't Which, by the way, work. Guardians of the Galaxy would have never done that anyways. In right, my most opinion. of the time, well, Guardians of the Galaxy is in the comics, and correct me if I'm wrong. Probably about ninety percent of the time, the team worked together. So best skills report with best skills, and the team worked and and to solve a problem together as a team. Yes, and if they did separate, it was only one character that separated from the group. Correct. Yes, and it was usually because they had some sort of personal angst they had to take care of on their own yep. to come back to the group and be ready to go. I agree with you. You're right, Gary. You just hit the nail on the head. I've been trying to figure out what bothered me about that movie. I think that's it right there. It's the fact that the well, team didn't we work had, as a team except for the beginning and the end. In this little middle portion we, of it we all hated, we had this weird emotional part between Gamora and her weird sister. I can't remember her name. Nebula. 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 And we had this weird, like, hug goodbye, and then she storms off to go chase down Thanos. Well, and, and, and there's the weird love thing, not love thing going on between Mantis and Drax, which I don't even think ever happened in the comics, did it? I, not to my knowledge or memory. To, to, to be truthful with you, Bob... Mantis was never anything I remember. Really? I, I just... And you know what? Get, that, that, and we had this weird... Mantis was a cool character that I remember only because she had this ability to get somebody to do something they didn't want to do. Back to what Gary said. Not only did the team split up, but they split up into their own subjects too because Peter was with his father, Gamora was with Nebula, yep. Drax was with... Uh, Mantis, you had Rocket with Groot, yeah. and the Nebula was amongst, uh, between Rocket and yep. Gamora, and... Yep, so that all nails it on the head. Okay, so that's <laughs> our thoughts. <laughs> that was our thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's move on to our second movie. Our second movie we want to talk about tonight, and I'm actually we're talking longer than I thought we were, but that's okay. <laughs> I knew it was going to kind of happen. I'm sorry. We want to talk about Wonder Woman. Which is a DC film. So now we're going to go to the other side of, the, of the, the aisle here and talk about a DC film. So, general thoughts about Wonder Woman. Let's see what you guys thought about this one. Gary, uh, uh, Gary I started with you last time. Tara, let's start with you. What did oh, you think wow. about Wonder Woman? Um, I liked it a lot, and okay. I'm not biased at all. Um, <laughs> Especially not as a woman. <laughs> Absolutely not. She was a really kick-ass character. Like they, they did it right. They could have done it so bad and terrible, and they actually did something right. So they, so. you believe they did Wonder Woman some serious justice? Yes. Here. Okay. Austin, what do you think of Wonder Woman? I have to agree with Tara. It was a real. It was a. It was a really good job. I imagine that they've done what four rewrites on that script already. I don't. I. I, 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 I could see the work put into it. 
after what was the craptastic uh, Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice, Wonder Woman got me back to hoping that DC can pull it off. I'm still le- leery about Justice League 2, but Wonder Woman gave me a little faith. Justice League 2? There was a <laughs> Ju- Justice League. Uh, the, the yeah, Batman vs. Superman. Was the first one. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it basically I'm was. Sorry, I just had to pull that out. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Gary, get out of my head. Okay, so, so we've been watching The Office lately, too, so that kind of helps. All right, so I liked Wonder Woman. I thought it was actually a fantastically well put together movie. I was kind of like, how. Okay, so how does DC put together Suicide Squad, Superman, Superman versus Batman? I mean, they're all like gigantic pieces of turd. And then you turn around and you put this out there. I don't get it. I don't understand how you can put out craptastic stuff, but then turn around and put out this amazing product. And it tells me they put all the eggs in one basket. Was that a good thing or not? I don't know. Maybe. Gary, what were your overall thoughts of this? I like the beginning. Okay. I hated the end. Really? Yes. Okay. Why didn't you like the ending? They didn't know how to wrap it up. I guess that's true. They brought Ares mm-hmm. in. Okay. Well, I knew Ares was going to be a bad guy in it. It should have been that the, the Nazi guy. It should not have been the... Lutendorff. The guy from Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah, Lutendorff. He totally lacked in convincing me that he was the god of war. I guess that's true. Yeah. And then they've come to find out, is she Zeus's kid? Ares' kid? Or is it a combination of both their, their, his, their kids? I thought they made it pretty clear that she was Zeus's kid. Yeah. At yeah. the beginning. Yeah. They at made the, it very at, clear. At the beginning. Yeah. Then when you got Ares talking to her, it muddled everything up. But he called her sister. Don't matter. Gods and goddesses are brothers and sisters. I disagree. I don't think it muddled it up. I I think I think Ares is playing with her head. She doesn't want yeah. her to know that she's Zeus's daughter because Let's face it, if, if you knew t- tonight you were Zeus's son, all of a sudden you'd be like, I'm invincible. <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I think she was trying to avoid that character, Diana, from becoming that way. Because you could potentially turn into that self-righteous, well, I'm the daughter of Zeus, hear me roar kind of thing. And to me, that speech was actually to keep Diana from going that direction. Uh, that's yeah. the way I looked. I looked at her as trying to bring Excuse her me. back to reality a little bit before she had found out she was Zeus's daughter, but now let's bring it back a little bit and let's give her some reality. Yeah. And keep her from getting a bloated head, having an ego. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. I don't know. That's the way I saw it. I, I, I don't... I don't ever remember Wonder Woman at all ever having a bloated ego. No, but I think the worry was about her having a bloated ego. I mean, that was the whole beginning of the movie. She's Zeus's daughter. They kind of kept it from her. Well, because with also, the fear that she would, she be, be, that, that would was take the, everything on herself. No, you know, that one, I can I understand what you're saying there, but her mother didn't tell her that she's Zeus's daughter because of the matriarchal society that they're in. That too. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's why there's not any. You know how how there's she's the only young kid on the whole island. Right. Yeah. All right. There's no other kids. I just guess I never of, s- I realized that, huh? Just a bunch of women. women. And her mother tells her that 
I molded you out of clay. Right. I think mm, also, But I mean, come on, parents she, lie to their kids all the time about stupid stuff like that, you know what I mean? I like, think also she didn't tell him that she's Zeus, Zeus's daughter because they did kind of mention in the movie the more she the more powerful Diana became, the more the shield around the Amazon was broken. So the more that Ares could find them. So let's talk about that. What about this idea that the island is separated from the rest of Earth? Now, okay. The problem I had with that whole yeah, thing? Yeah. You got the, the Nazis coming in after Steve... Well, no, not Nazis. The Germans coming in. Right. After Steve, Steve Trevor. Yep. They confront the Amazons. Or the Amazons confront them anyway. Big battle. One of them dies. No. Wait, soldiers die left and right. There's a boat still out there in, in, in the water. Yep. Where'd it go? Yeah, I guess that's true. I thought the same thing, too. There's no explanation. They found this mystical island, and nobody okay. from the boat radioed back to tell them about this place? Yeah, radio back, or even if it sailed away, why, why wouldn't it kept the coordinates that they had? Right. <laughs> so well, they get, so they get unless back. Zeus smited it down with some lightning, yeah, who right. knows? I'm just saying. There could be that weird explanation. And, you know, and does anyone know if they... Uh, because it, it's not mentioned in Batman v Superman, is Themyscira discovered or is it not? It's not. It's no, not? It's not. Oh. Not officially. I mean, it is by Steve Trevor. Yeah. But he's dead. But he's dead now. So yeah. there's no, nobody, anybody would have any knowledge other than Wonder Woman. Unless the Enterprise, remember, uh, unless the Enterprise tel- uh, <laughs> teleported him out of the airplane. Okay, so let me ask you that question. How about Chris Pine as Steve Trevor? Did you like him in that role? I mean, there were a lot of doubts about whether he could pull it off. No. But before I go any further, I did enjoy the movie, just I didn't like the ending. That's, okay. all, that's all it was. Okay. Chris Pine, I thought, played a good role. Yeah. Gal Gadot knocked it out of the, out of the water. I got to tell you. Oh, and, yeah. And that... Oh, yeah. And I even <laughs> told you guys that when Wonder Woman comes out, that movie's going to be great just because of her from Superman versus Batman. This is the first time <laughs> yeah. in my life that I feel like somebody... And I, I, I want to give props not just to Gal Gadot, but to the directors and the writers here. For the first time... Somebody figured out how to handle a female lead for the first time. So when writing a female character, look to Wonder Woman. Well, what I'm saying is they no, weren't they afraid. Made, they made her kick ass. They didn't right. like make but, her too feminine. Uh, right. Like, but they well they did and they didn't. They yeah. made her feminine, but not so so feminine that she couldn't kick butt. They didn't make her butch and so butch that she didn't feel feminine. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, there's this weird line you have to walk when you've got a female heroine like this. That you want her to be female, but you don't want her to be too female, and you want her to be kick butt, but you don't want her to be butch either. So you got to walk this weird line. My favorite, and these writers and directors figured that out. My favorite part was when they were trying to figure out what outfit she should wear so that she could blend in, and they gave her like petticoats and stuff, and she's like, "Where do you hide the armor?" Yeah, and how do you fight in this? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, don't make me go fisticuffs with you. (laughs) But the whole Amazon scene, though. Yes. All right. It's not just Wonder Woman, but the whole Amazons. Yeah. Yeah. They did that so well. I agree. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. That you know, you could have picked any of those girls out of that island and put her in the Wonder Woman suit and been all right. Oh yes. In yeah, my, I, in my, I agree in my book. with you. I agree with you. But and I think they portrayed that well too. The the island of the mascara. I thought they did a really good job with yeah. that visual and and the females on the island and how they protected Diana and the island and all of that. I really thought that was well put together. 
I'll agree with you. There are some plot holes that just don't make sense. The ship does not make sense as a plot hole. Her just getting up and leaving was a weird plot hole to me. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess. There, there's no motivation for her to just get up and go. Well, she was saying that Ares is bringing the world to hell. I get what she... Like, but Ares was doing to... that before. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I don't remember what the original reason was for Diana leaving the island. Because of the war. But she discovered the war, right? By accident, in some way, shape, or form. Well, right? the, 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 <laughs> she discovered uh, the war by accident here. Captain Kirk falling out of the sky in his airplane. Well, no, I'm saying yeah. that. In, I'm not talking about in this movie. I'm talking about in the comic books. I don't remember. There was a reason. There was a really good reason Diana ends up leaving in the comic books. I don't remember what it was. I, Captain Kirk falling out of the sky. Was it an airplane thing? Was it like that? I, yeah. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. It's been it's, so it's, long yeah, Steve, ago. Steve, that... Steve Trevor crashed his airplane or jet or whatever it was. Okay. And... But it just, I didn't get that. I didn't feel like she was drawn to come out of out of the mascara to help. I, I think he, the two of them had a connection and they left together. That's that's why I think happened. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm I don't follow. Wonder I don't Woman either. DC. I it's also, not my ever been my right. my my boat. I also know, so. think like she actually did have a valid reason to leave the mascara because I think this is her finally opening her eyes and realizing that the world isn't safe outside of the mascara. Like but then all the more reason not before. to leave the mascara. Do you get what I'm saying? But she like, wants to it's help. It's safe here, so why would I leave but here? But she wants to help. Like, she's so I get that. Like, selfless. She and wants to help. Maybe they weren't good at portraying that. And maybe that's my problem with this, because, well, like, that didn't seem... I didn't seem the motivation there. The way I kind of saw it was her mother kept sheltering her so much so that she's like, I gotta go see the outside world. And she just left, as any rebellious teenager would. <laughs> Actually, I think maybe it was uh, they had a contest to see who was going to be the person they sent out to the man's world. And I she, think and, you're right. And, and she won it. Right, correct. That's so, what I thought. There was some sort of reason that she ended right. up leaving. But again, it depends on which... Um, which version yeah, of which version whatever you're, you're, you're believing. Now, the question I got for you. Yes. Jenny from Forrest Gump. Yeah. What do you think of her? Uh, you're talking her? about Robin Wright? Yeah. As in T.O.P.? The f- mother. No. Yeah. No. Oh, the trainer. No, she the was trainer. the trainer. Oh, the trainer. That's... Okay. I, I was... I was in impressed with her i didn't look until i got out of the theater that it was jenna <laughs> and that shocked me a little bit because she did not eat she was such a <laughs> meeker humble little character in yep. forrest gump and to to almost 180 it into this role uh, i thought it was actually kind of cool to take jenna and make her this it, kick butt uh, trainer it, it gave me more respect for her as an actress yes yes I will give you it that. did Mm. It showed me she has more to her ability yep. in acting than I originally thought she might have had. And I actually kind of appreciated that that yeah. fact. That, that that she definitely had more to her acting abilities than, than I thought, anyway. Yeah. Now, the next question I got for you guys. Sorry for taking over your podcast. Oh, no, oh, you're not. No. You're, you're, you're good, part you're of good. the team, dude. Um, the team in Germany. Okay. What did you think of them? You mean the ones that like when they were when she was crossing over the, the no man's land and holding her shield up that team? Well, the the, the ones the, that worked the, with her, the, the allies, Charlie, team. Samir, oh yeah, Sir Patrick. And all I them. thought that team was pretty good. I, I, I thought mean, it was no offense, Wonder Woman's Howling Commandos. Yeah, yeah, basically. What do you think, Bob? All right, so part of me wants to believe that's a really cool team, but my historical side said no way. Okay, because the groups of people that they had working together. Would never work. Together. Would never have worked together during World War One. Yeah, I know. You had the Ottoman Turks working with English, working with Native the, American, Native American, and a, what was where was the black guy from South Africa? I That's think or something film. like that. 
Um, no, the Ottoman Turks, first off, were on the other side yep. completely. So that made no sense to me at all, which, ironically, he's also a Middle Eastern guy, which would not have made sense either. But I, I digress about all that because that's... I don't want to get into that, but the reality is some of the racial stuff didn't work either. Right. The African-American would never have fought alongside the white guys. Sorry, it's the reality of World War One. if you ever study your history. The reality is they had black regiments, they had white regiments, but neither between did they work. And that was um, even up until World War Two. Even up yep. until World War Two. I mean, even during World War Two, they were separating... Yep. Uh, that's what the whole Hellfighters and all of that was about. Yeah, the Tus- Tuskegee Airmen. So you had Tuskegee Airmen, you had the Hellfighters, you had all these these African-American regiments. And again, if you're going to go historically accurate, and I know it's not like couth in modern America to portray these things, but it's reality. It's history. It's kind of like trying to erase the Civil War, which we keep trying to do by okay. knocking all these statues down and, and all taking that. the flags off. And, and I'm sorry, it's just it's not realistic to sit there and, and put something like that together. I had a problem with that. Slightly. Okay. Slightly. Now, just a theory. Yeah. That I, that I had right from the get-go. What's that? What if they were, like, the members of the Super Friends? Oh. Think I about thought it. about that a little bit, too. Yeah. I never thought about that. Like, uh, who's the guy that's got the tornado legs? Uh, Red Tornado. No. No? You know who I'm talking about from Super Friends, right? Back yeah, in the day. Uh, um, I can't remember his name now. I can't think of either. Black Tornado? <laughs> no, it wasn't that, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about, right? Yeah, he had a green and gold, like, yep. tight yeah. suit. Yeah. Okay? What if he was the Ottoman Turk guy? Well, the Native yeah. American. The Native American uh, would have been... Uh, Apache Chief. Apache Chief. Yeah. Nunut Chuck. Yeah. 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 I kind of thought about that, too. That would have been so awesome if that's what they were. Yeah. The only thing that would have made that better is if you had to put twins. No. In there. Not the Wonder Twin power. Come on! Wait, no, no, no! Come no. on! Wait, have Darkseid no. take one woman away and say, I want to marry you! Uh. No, no, well, we can put that in later. Trust me. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I think they're definitely seriously thinking about uh. putting Darkseid in. Calm down, guys. Yeah. Really? Loud. I yeah. love to. Well, they watched the 1990s I, I Super want, Friends. Oh. Movie, so. I want Wendy and Marvin and Gleek. <laughs> Gleek? Okay. Who? The stupid monkey? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. I love the monkey, though. See, I would have wonder what the Wonder Twins would have been awesome. I'm serious. Well, Wonder Twin powers activate in the form of, you know, a boat. <laughs> yeah, a boat. Come no, on, guys. Oh, no. <laughs> one was an animal and the other one was a body of water. Yeah. <laughs> would have been funny if they were fire hose in the form of fire hose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put out that flamethrower. <laughs> but just think of it, though. Wouldn't that have been better if they were. I agree with you. Powers? I almost wonder if initially that was the plan. And then they backtracked it because of Justice League coming out. Do you or, know what I mean? Like, I wonder if initially, I wonder if you go back to the initial script, if that's what the plan was. Or better yet, uh, they saw how the two team-ups with Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad bombed uh, out no. in the box office. Because by that hmm. point, the script had already been finalized, filming had already been started taking place. Oh. So I, I, I would say that that didn't have an influence on it. Right I don't at, believe Even so. right after Batman v Superman? Even right after that. Really? But I do believe that that thought process might have come in early on and then they, they maybe shift well, away I, from it. I, I, I think there's Warner Brothers backed them off of that. Uh, probably, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, in probably. order to no, not, in order to get this this, this no, cause it, 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 Justice it could, League movie out. It could have worked really well because of the time difference, the time right. timelines. Oh, I get what you're saying. Right? Yeah. This is back in World War One. Right. Justice League's going to be today. Right. 100 years in between. 
would have worked perfect. You're right. Okay. And instead of making the JLA, you could have made it the what was it, the Justice Society? Yeah. You could have made it that. I, yeah, actually, that that actually would have worked well. Isn't that ju- Justice J- Society? JSA or JSA? Yeah, JSA. JSA. Okay. Yeah. Make that the JSA. Yeah, and then and then you could have moved into the JLA. Yep. By the time modern time comes along, yeah, I like that idea. And it makes it would have made sense with Gal's comments at the end about we need to get it all back together because she keeps commenting about bringing it back, like it's happened before. Right. Which okay, you could have set this up as a Justice Society hint to bring back the Justice League. But like you said, DC does this all the time. They have these like moments where they could make something out of something and then they don't and then it kind of disappoints you slightly slightly well they have all these references on the tv show side like in the flash the background metal poster of gold you swear that there's a, a justice society you know what a good series was smallville you know what smallville did tied in every single uh, dc thing ever well i still say and and well i'm gonna get shot for saying this were it not for Smallville, none of what we're talking about right now would exist. That's oh, true. yeah, probably. Because Smallville kept it alive when everything else killed it. Yeah. Um, Austin, you ever watch Heroes of Tomorrow? I know. I have, I'm have. a little behind. I know that Justice Society popped up in that. But they, they play a major role in it. They yeah. play a major role in Heroes of Tomorrow. I've heard yeah. about that. But I also know that in Which, the background of Flash, in the police department, there's a statue photo and, and thing. And don't think that all of that isn't tied into Heroes of Tomorrow. That's... Yeah. That's all part and parcel of the same universe. Okay, and Don't get caught up. <laughs> and you do. That J- JSA group. What timeline were they from? World War One. No. No two. Sorry. World War Two. So II. they could have had. They could have had that pre World yep. War Two group. You're right. You're right. Oh man. Okay. I so swear it was World War Two. I'm not crazy. What? I swear this took place during World War Two. No. no. World War One. World War One. World War One had trenches. World War Two they did not. I'll it, tell you why it's World War One. Right. I'll tell you why it's World War One on multiple levels. First off, the tanks were the big old boat tanks. Okay? If you really paid attention, that's what they were. They were using doughboys in the American trench. Those were only used during World War One. They were retired by the time they got to World War Two. They were also using the what was the name of the helmet? I always forget okay, the name but of the Pit Helmet. No. Pith helmet. Well there were the British were using pith helmets, but the the Americans were using the you know what I'm talking about, right? The leather motorcycle helmet. Oh, yeah, that, that right. style of helmet, which is completely different. I was about to say, I thought all the gas experimentation happened during World War II. Uh, it happened I, during World War One yeah, as well. Yeah, I know. That's and where mustard gas became yeah. prominent. Matter of fact... I'm thinking back to it now. That's where they made the promise after World War One they wouldn't use chemical yeah. and biological and gas weapons anymore. And ironically, what's the first thing Hitler threw? Gas, that's chemical, right. and biological weapons. <laughs> which kind of went... With the whole agreement. You know? It was used on him, so he's going to use it on everybody well, that's, else. So. That was the whole point. Like A lot yeah. of people forget that Hitler would not exist today were it not for mustard gas. Or, yep. well, today. Back then, would not have existed were it not for mustard gas. That's what irked him. Were it not for Germany denying the, him being in the... No, he war. was in the military. He was in oh, the wait, mi- it was Austria that denied him. Right, Austria denied yeah. him. He ended up being in the German military. But the part that everybody forgets is what got him upset with World War One was, was gas, he yeah. watched guys die around him with mustard gas. Yeah. And he decided that if he was ever going to use it, he was going to use it to its death-defying end. And I I, I agree with you, Gary. Were it not for World War One, Hitler mm-hmm. might not have ever come to power because, quite honestly, it was used the use of the mustard Treaty gas. Treaty of Versailles. <coughs> Which is ironic because 
What's the one thing we get mad at dictators about today? Using biological, yeah. chemical, and it's still done. Which, still which, done. which you just brought up a good point, too. Had it not been World War One, Japan never would have attacked America, either. Yep. Correct. Correct, because that all... The Treaty everything of in the world right. is a causality. Treaty of Versailles, all... The League of Nations. Right, the League of Nations, and what it did to the uh, Japanese economy. It, it, uh, it basically choked them off and, and started to kill their economy. Well, and then when they were going to divvy out portions of uh, yeah, Germany... Japan got nothing. Uh, I would just like to all say... All went to France. Right. We got all off topic because I said, why was the world war one? Well, well, we were explaining history. That's okay. Yes. Okay, that's what we're here to so, teach. So let's wrap this one up. Let's get our thoughts in about this one again. Zero being a don't bother, ten being a must see. I'll start this one out since I made my son start the last one out. So I would actually give Wonder Woman a slightly better than Guardians of the Galaxy two. I actually would give this one a seven. There were some great moments in it. I agree with Gary. There's some plot hole gaps. There's some things I I wish they would have done better, but it wasn't awful. And I'll tell you what really kind of. And this is the weird thing. I've always kind of asked myself, what if this movie was in the Marvel Universe? Written the way it was, done the way it was. I may actually not be giving it a 7. But because it's in the DC Universe, I was kind of like, yeah, woo, knock it out of the park. That's the weird thing. You know, we have these high expectations for Marvel movies, and then when it comes to DC movies, we kind of go, well, as long as they didn't make Wonder Woman from Krypton, we're good. You know, like, we start lowering our bar. Have you ever noticed that when it comes to DC movies? Because we're kind of like, well... After that abomination of Green Lantern. (laughs) 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 Again, I did not see Green Lantern as an abomination. I know, people. I can't believe I'm saying that. But there's one person who agrees with me. Ryan agrees with me. But no anyway. offense with Ryan Reynolds. He's a great actor. But oh, come on. Sorry. Ryan Reynolds don't like Green He Lantern. even doesn't like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Know. So uh, that was my thoughts. Austin, what are your thoughts on Wonder Woman? I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. I thought there were some fairly, pretty well put together scenes. Uh, my favorite of all the scenes would have to be the point where she jumps over and runs through No Man Land and then stands in front of what I can only describe as a low-weight Lewis gun and just sits there and takes bullet after bullet after bullet and rallies the entire line to move forward. That's right, people. He's been playing Battlefront one, Battlefield 1 way too much lately. Okay, you got else? me started on that. Anything else? She pretty much did everything. I did not like the ending. I have to agree with Gary. I felt like they kind of went to, oh, crap, how do we end this? And then kind of threw out this ending with uh, uh, Lupin, and it just didn't work out well. I didn't think it worked... There could have been an alternate ending, but... Okay. Tara, what would you give Wonder right. Woman? So, brace yourself. This is a first time. I'm sitting down. I give it a 10. What? And I'm not biased or anything, no, but like... No, no. <laughs> if it had been a Harley Quinn movie, it would have been a 30. <laughs> yes. I really liked it. Again! <laughs> they, they really were able to balance out Wonder Woman's fight power side and the whole Mysteria part of the movie was fantastic. I will say yes, there was some potholes, but it still deserves a 10. Okay, Gary, what are your thoughts? I'm giving it a 7 also. Oh, cool. You and I agree for once. Yep. <laughs> Any, Shocker. What was your, your big downfall of this one? Aries. Aries, okay. <laughs> um, the the woman, the, the, the half a face or whatever she was, yeah. never really explained. No. I'll agree with you. Uh, yeah, I was, I, and it was it was such an obscure reference to a Wonder Woman comic villain from sixties or whatever really it was. Forties, I mean, like way before our time, and right. I I didn't. I, I'm not sure it was necessary. 
what I would have done with her was make her an Amazon that escaped. Right. Or found her way off. Somebody that well, worked at the Amazons or something like that. That's and, what it was supposed to be, but they never explained it. And, and got forgotten about her. They yeah. never went looking for her, and that's why she was doing what she was doing. But Yeah, I agree. And Ares was never anything I would ever expect Ares to look like. Sure. Yeah, I agree. I guess that's true. Okay, so those are our thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Those are our thoughts on Wonder Woman. Love to hear what you have to say. So email us at galaxycast at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Wonder Woman. We'd love to hear from you. And if we get some comments from you, you'll hear them on the air. So again, go to galaxycast at gmail.com. If it's something that was positive, uh, put in the headlines. Uh, we saw liking that. And uh, if it's something that's, that's uh, I guess, negative or not so good. You failed me for the last time. Is what you're going to put on your, your subject line. So let us know what you think. And we'll be back in just a little bit to talk about the last episode of Season 3 of Star Wars Rebels. We'll be back in just a bit. Look, what's that ahead? Are those asteroids? No, they're commercials. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Cornbread. I'm Judy, and we met on charmony.com. I saw her profile, and I just knew I'd found somebody special, a real Georgia peach. I'm from LA. There's just something about her, that red hair, those long legs. It's, it's kind of hard to put into words. I was kind of leery of using a site like charmony. You never know what kind of weirdos are on there. But obviously, there was a certain someone who caught my eye and I couldn't be happier. Our first date was at Sears. He was pricing log splitters. I told her she was good. I'd take her to corn dog on a stick. Then he said those three words every woman loves to hear. This look infected? We've been with each other ever since. We wake up together every morning. I feel like I know him so well. It's, it's like, like we, we finish, finish each, each other's, other's uh, sentences. Yeah. I'm just truly thankful to see Harmony for introducing us. I can't imagine where I'd be without him. Probably still in bed. The future is now. The future is in the cloud. Cloud computing. What's cloud computing? Imagine a computer you share with everyone. Imagine your private data spread around the world, being shared equally with everyone. It's the cloud. I'm in the cloud. It's utopia. Nothing can possibly go wrong. Imagine instead of your own computer, it's a giant one we all share together. Your data is safe. It's in the cloud. Everyone's in the cloud. Live life surrounded by the mists of time with cumulonimbus computing. The cloud is hard to describe. You can't see when you're in it. And when you get close, it disappears. Where'd the cloud go? Now, when your data is damaged, you don't need to fire the IT department. You can fire the internet. You're fired, internet. We've taken the metaphor to extremes because when you're in the cloud, lightning won't strike. It's cumulonimbus computing. I'm really in the clouds. You're in the clouds now. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Ed's Almost Good Beer. Remember, Ed's Almost Good Beer was brewed in God's country when God wasn't looking. So as you can see, Star Productions is looking for sponsors. If you're interested in sponsoring our podcast, please give us an email at galaxycast at gmail.com. We'd be more than willing to put a commercial together for you, have you listen to that commercial, and put it into our own podcast 
or even create a commercial for you and your business that you could even use at a local radio station. So give us a chance to do your advertising for you at Star Production Studios by emailing us at galaxycast at gmail.com. Thank you for your patience during our galactic promotions. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode as we talk about the very last episode of Season 3 of Star Wars Rebels, titled Zero Hour Parts 1 and Part 2. So this is an interesting episode in the viewpoint that, well first off, I mean it's obviously an ending. And you definitely felt like this is an ending, because there's a lot of things to me that came to a conclusion finally. I kind of finally felt like we brought some storylines Together, we brought some closure to Star Wars Rebels, which I think Star Wars Rebels needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing that it's not the final season kind of made me feel a little bit better. If this had, you know, if we were still up in limbo about it, it would have made me a little sad to know this might have been the last two episodes. But knowing we've at least got one more season to kind of strike the set on this thing, we're I'm good with the way we ended it. So, what did you guys think of? the entire episode as a whole was there too much going on here no that was one thing i thought I they worried i thought about. they i thought they did really well they they did the first episode had perfect pacing yeah. i felt the whole first episode awesome second episode a little rushed but they had a bit to accomplish in it a, little, a lot of jumping back and forth in hyperspace right they got to and from the the mandos pretty quickly right. I was I mean, the they were back too, yeah. pretty quick but for for what they needed to do, I, I understand why they did it. And they don't really tell you how much time passed when they f- all descended back to the planet and right. landed and turned on the shield. Granted, we're getting ahead of what happens in the episode, but I felt that it was... We don't need to say what happens. Was, I'm hoping people have yeah, seen it by it now. Was, it was acceptable to me. It was definitely a little more jumpy in the second half, but it was still acceptable. What did you think, Gary? Was it too much all at once, or do you think it was the pacing was perfect? Well, like Eric said, the first, half, the first half hour of it was awesome. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Pacing was good. Uh, had a lot of information that you, you gained right there. Second half was a little quick, quick to, to, to do what they, what they needed to accomplish, but at the same time, it was a little slow getting there. Yeah, I, I yeah. I mean, you kind of knew they were going to get help from the Mandos because that was right. really their only hope at that point. And I, I agree with you. We were we were kind of slow and quick to get there all at the same time, which is kind of awkward to say. You know, it, one thing I thought was interesting between the two, I, I'm I'm almost positive we had different directors for one and two. If I were to if I were to go look it up, I bet I'd be shocked as I'll get out if it's the same director for both of them. But the one thing I did notice about one and two is just the general in number one, part one, I felt like we had a lot of epic shots. Oh yeah, very much so. You know, things that felt very Star Warsy, things that took the 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 Star Wars genre and made it feel that way. The epic big pan out shots, the huge massive battles that were going on. You know, uh, let's see here, Justin Ridge was the director of part one. So let's see who the director of part two was. Part two director was No, he directed both. Oh, he did direct both. That's interesting. Although I do notice that the second episode had two writers. Different writers, writers, right. So maybe that's the difference there. Yeah. But there definitely seemed to be more of an epic feel to the first part of this this, this particular Well, they had a benefit to it. The first episode took place entirely, almost entirely, in space. 
True. It was it was a Star Wars battle. It was that choreography of of attack and flight, and there was a lot that took place above the planet. The second episode was both above and below, plus on another planet. So there was a lot of jumping, and I think that's what broke up the pacing, was we had to go to multiple places. This is true. Although the second episode had that epic sequence, to me, when they were on the planet, and they ignited the shield, and they were taking the aerial bombardment, and there was that great shot from behind... Hera, just looking up at the green sky raining down on them and, and just the sense of, wow, to be under Imperial bombardment could be terrifying. You know? And that's the thing, like when when they talk about Imperial bombardments in books, we've never actually seen in a movie or in a TV version what an Imperial bombardment would look like. And I thought that was kind of cool. It was yeah. a cool visual to see an Imperial bombardment. And now it's, I agree with you. Like this is the first time where I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive. If that's what an imperial bombardment looks like, yeah, I would I would want to be running the other way too. Yeah, especially yeah. considering they had a shield up and they weren't sure if it was going to hold. <laughs> yeah, an antique shield. <laughs> an antique shield. Yeah, well, which in my opinion worked better than the new ones, though. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> and I liked that this episode brought back in a lot of these story elements. The fact that they had gotten a shield at one point from a previous episode played an important role here. The fact, you know, meeting the whole meeting with Bendu and how the ending relationship with him went down. Um, who, you know, why we don't see Commander Sato in any of the movies <laughs> or hear yeah. about him. Yeah. You know, there were we things gotta, that yeah. there were things that tied together that I was like, oh, those are nice little wrap ups to those bits so, and so story let, elements. Let's talk about some of those. Did you guys like <laughs> the way we? ended with Bendu here at the, on this episode here? I mean, did you like Bendu's role in this, this two-part arc, and did you like the way we ended with it? I, I would say yes. At okay. first, I wasn't sure. I wouldn't have liked it as much if he had taken a side. If he had, you know, helped the Jedi escape, or, you know, helped... If he had helped... Kanan. Oh, okay. Kanan. Thank you. I was not why I was trying... I can only think of Freddie <laughs> Prince Jr. <laughs> if they wanted to help... If he had helped Kanan more just because he's a Jedi and more sensitive to the Force than others or something, I wouldn't have liked it. I wouldn't have liked him taking sides. And I think they did a great balance of he just got more and more angry that he was being forced to be involved in this kind of battle. It was brought to his planet where he just wanted to be away from it all. So in the end, he just became a force of nature and he didn't really take sides because that light, his lightning strikes that he caused and everything, if you notice, were blowing up rebel ships as well. It was destroying the base. Right. It was, he's telling everyone, get out of here. I'm just mad at you all. Get off my damn planet. So I liked that they did walk that line and they still kept him neutral. He just got angry. There was get no, lawn. yeah, it was basically that, you know, <laughs> you kids get off my lawn. There wasn't, he never really did take a side. So I liked it that they were, I was like, how, if they, if he helps, it kind of ruins him as a character and they did walk that. So I was happy with it. I didn't like that laser blasts brought him down out of the sky. There was a little weird of a sequence, but then at the end you realized he was fine. He, you know, he just, he wasn't I, destroyed. He could do what he wanted. I guess the part I was a little bothered by is he's this peace loving person, yet he's using lightning to attack all these guys. He didn't ever, he never said he's a peace lover. He just said he's neutral. Well. <clears throat> neutral can be against both as well correct. as ignoring both. I guess in my mind, if he was, if, if he was going to be a little more neutral, at least to what I kind of expected out of him, I was expecting him to do something weird like put them all in their ships. You know what I mean? Like transport them from the planet to their ships and then be like, <clears throat> but okay, I like, fight in the sky, but it not on made my, him, my land. It would have made him too mean? godlike almost. I'm glad they didn't do something. and give him, I mean, his power was, okay, I'm going to come at you with the nature of the planet. I'm going to strike at you. You know, it's not, if he could like just vanish him off and be like a genie, I, it would have been too much for me personally, but... What do you think, Gary? Would you like the way they had been doing this? It was cool. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but it was the sonic screwdriver. 
yeah. for, for Rebels. It was. It was. Yeah. Convenient. It was very convenient. It was very convenient that Bendu well, took, took everybody out. <clears throat> Hold on. It seems convenient because I remember they've been setting him up as a character on this planet for a long time and he's not really done a whole lot. So, and he's always been neutral and he's always been this kind of, you know, gives a little advice but not, you know, more of a, more of just a, a observer, like a watchman type, you know, or a, a watcher type. He's been more of just someone who stayed out of it. If he had only come along two episodes ago and then did this, I would be really on your side with that. I would have felt like, oh, they shoehorned him in at the end of the season. But he's been built up for a while to be this kind of character that lives there and it's his home. Yeah. So it's uh, like he got, he got mad at his home being invaded almost. And that, to me, I, could, I was okay with it. I see what you're saying, though, that yes, the rebels were caught... And then that saved them. Right. And, and, and it goes back to, to what Bob was saying. That he's supposed to be be neutral. And he's all mean and is, you know, evil is this part. What good has he done to balance him out to be neutral? Well, here's the thing. I don't think he was evil. He, he was... Uh, okay, okay. He wasn't attacking one side or the other. He was just clearing them off the planet. Yes, I guess, okay, so here, uh, can I explain this one? Because I think maybe I could give some clarity on what maybe we're thinking. Right. I think if if force believers believe in the sanctity of life, am, am, am I on the, the route here you're thinking, Gary? And if force believers believe in everybody has a right to live, then why would you use lightning to try to scare people off the planet? I guess that's that's my thing. Well, I really think a lot of it had to do with the bombardment. I think okay. they were trying to show the damage that was being caused on the surface of his home. Yeah. He felt that things, and remember, the planet is inhabited. There's the spiders, there's right. other things. There's <coughs> the A-wing pilot that's missing. The A-wing pilot who's <laughs> living is still out there somewhere. Queen, she is. She's the queen of the spider people. <laughs> yep. um, but I think that if <laughs> it wasn't... odd spider people. It was, if it wasn't for the slash and burn technique of the Empire coming in... Yeah. If they had just, you know, if, it, if they had just come down and they were fighting just on the base and it was in a small area, I'd have been like, okay, he's no reason for him to go and even get involved. But I think that the bombardment and the, the devastation that was happening on the planet made him kind of go, you know, okay, I have to be neutral. This planet is being destroyed. So right. now I need to come in and stop the destruction and get everybody out of here. Okay. So to me, that was his response. I think... I, it would have been nicer to see a bit more devastation on the planet set him off. That would have been, that would have sealed the deal for me in terms of believability. But I can interpret enough to put that into it that I'm okay with it. Okay. I, I guess the the problem I got with it is uh, you didn't show that. Yeah. All he, all they showed was Kanan calling him a coward and that pissed him off. Right, but that, to me, the immediate scenes after, I guess it was the way I was thinking, because immediately he's flying back, and you're seeing the bombardment hit, and it's blowing things up around him, then okay. they're bombarding around, the, then they show the wide angles of the, the Rebel base, and you see that there's a lot of devastation around it, yeah. then they come down, and they're fighting on his planet, and they're blowing stuff up, and you know setting off mines, and there was a lot of destruction going on on the planet. You I know think, what might have done it for me, <clears throat> or drawn me into the belief of that, is if we saw some of the spiders dead. Yeah, and him looking at them or something. Right. Just enough of a little scene yeah, for him to go. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And maybe but that's I, where that rushed feel, yes. feel kind of came in, because that little five-second glance at a couple dead spiders would have been enough to convince me that, okay, right. now I see why he's mad. And I, The I, nature I, on his planet's getting yeah. destroyed. And to know? me, I just... And maybe that that was my interpretation. Right. So to me, I was okay with it. I filled in that little blank, and I was okay with it, with the him coming in at the end. Because like I said, 
there were rebel ships blowing up and flipping into the air off their right. runway. He was like, he was taking out everything. It was not a well, you know, and you, you saw the rebel ships streaking through the yeah, sky. They were getting the hit. Too, yeah, right? he was he was not being. To I mean, me, he was being neutral, just I mean, in a forceful way. Even the space way. battles having an impact yes. on the, the the planetary surface. Yeah, because he kept he did say it's my home. I, yeah, I came here to hide to get right. away, and you've brought it all here. Right. He was literally like you said, just get off my lawn to everybody. And well, so I was okay with it. And this planet, Adalon. Uh, you know, this planet Adalon wasn't even on star maps anywhere. Right. Like so, it, so it, he it, hoped it would. It was. It was an ancient painting. It, it always was on on the, the Imperial star maps. You got to remember uh, Chopper and. Kalos oh, that's right. They erased, erased it. it. Okay. So, you know, I... Okay. You know, but still, he's hiding in a place he's hoping nobody finds yeah. him. The other thing... All right, so we, we've, we've talked about Bendu. What about Thrawn? What did you guys think about Thrawn in this, this, uh, these two episodes? Did you like him? I did. I mean, did he really pull off the bad guy role enough now? Like, do you really get the feeling, like, if we were to go into next season and say Thrawn's still the ultimate bad guy here, is it viable? I'm okay with it. Yeah. Gary, what do you think? I'm okay with it, but he got a, a little glimpse of fear when Bendu attacked. He did, and oh, I, yeah. I didn't mind that. I did either. Because it was, it was the thing he couldn't plan for. And right. I think that's what, the only thing that can unsettle him is the thing he can't anticipate. Yep. Because the whole episode, the whole two episodes, the two-parter, he was, ex- and they did a really good job of getting the Thrawn-ness out of Thrawn. Oh, yeah. He was ready for things. He wa- And he never got emotional. I think that's the best thing about that character is he even said it to Callus. It's not about the glory of winning. It's about just completing it and, right. and the victory. Finishing. And he says, for my emperor, which was a nice right. touch. But he's about doing it correctly more so than I want praise for it. He doesn't care. He's about, I want to win for the sake of winning, for the fact that I did it right. And so it's, I liked, I think they just do a good job with him of him being manipulative, controlling of everything. He just, he knows what the next step's going to be and he's planning for it. And I think they did a good job with it. You know what I like? They kind of set things up potentially for with the Bendu-Thrawn thing is later on Vader and Thrawn. Yes. Maybe a contentious relationship because... If I were Thrawn, I suddenly wouldn't trust these Force users. Correct. Considering what I just went through. And so now suddenly, Vader may not be somebody I trust too well. Right. Because he's a Force user. So what's he going to do? Bring the Esau Mario. There we go. That's what I'm thinking. That's, I think that's the glimpse of Bendu right. and Bendu the ruining his plan and the fear of not understanding this Force of Nature is going to cause him in Season 4 to seek out a solution to that problem that he can't anticipate. Right. So we could potentially see the use of a Salamari. I would love as, to see it. I would love to see it too. And we've set it up. Yes, that it would be perfect. He has, he has beautiful reasoning now. And then imagine Ezra and Kanan with a Salamari. Yes, they. I mean, to me, that's trouble. It would be a really quick way to get rid of the Rebel crew. Yeah, because without the two of them, there ain't much left. You know, I mean, like they kind of are the saviors when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. And if the two of them suddenly can't use their Force powers. That'd be a really quick, easy way to wipe them out, mm-hmm. all of them. So, what about Callus in this episode? What do you guys think about Callus in this two-parter? Love them. He's getting yeah. better and better for me. And, I he's winning me over. I liked them all <laughs> since the beginning. I know you did. Yeah, I've um, liked him ever since the Ice Planet with uh, Zeb. Yeah, I have to admit that's what bought me. He was over he was a Kallus. little he was a little annoying in the early episode. He was the bad guy. He was supposed to be annoying. He kept getting you know he seemed to be tricked by them a little too easily, so you couldn't respect the guy you know except he seemed to keep losing but when we got to the zeb episode and we did the planet we got to know him better 
it was a switch for me. And now making him you Fulcrum. Know what's, what's, I would have been rethinking about as we've been watching through these, these shows. If we go back and watch season one now, would it change our viewpoint knowing he's Fulcrum? Because did he really lose or did he really deliberately he, lose? Well, no, was, you know what I mean? I want to know if he was always on their side. I don't think he was always on their side. Well, I that's think the he thing. changed his mind. We don't know at what right. point he became Fulcrum, do we? He and wasn't the original. Kind of the I mean, we know thing. the original Fulcrum was Ahsoka. Yep, was, yeah, was Ahsoka. So I don't think he's, you know, he hasn't always been a Fulcrum in their series. So I think he was against him at first and changed his mind. I, I, I think what changed his mind was Zeb. Yeah. The Zeb episode of the Ice Planet. Right. At least that's my consideration. Right. But I think, especially in this episode, oh God, the scene in the elevator, they didn't have to show anything. <laughs> Just him looking and smirking as the doors closed. And then well, the doors yeah. open and he's out of the cuffs and he's beat the two guys well, up. Well, that, that's the first thing I, I had a laugh at was the fact that the stormtroopers put him behind them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Rookie, at least put one over. in front and one behind. I mean, yeah. come on. So you can keep an eye on him. Yep. You know, uh, he's a prisoner. Prisoner care. intake 101 here, yeah. you know? But he's he's become very cool, and I could see him, especially from the brief glimpse we get of him in the trailer. I think he's going to be fun next season. I think he's going to be really cool. And I like the idea that he's now a part of the Rebel crew, yes. who was an Imperial, who's now moved over to the other side. I mean, we've had that happen with a couple characters now. I think what, mostly Wedge, droids. Wedge was the other one, right? Oh, Wedge was Wedge training. Yeah, went, Wedge and Hobby. Who Wedge and Hobby went from Imperials to Rebels, so now and we've got a droid, and we've got a couple others. So I'm liking this idea that people are slowly starting to get into that yeah. that Rebel mindset. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think about the role of Kanan in this episode? What, did you like the role he played in us? He seemed to, I mean, he had one one thing to do in this episode, and that was to go out and get, get Bendu, Bendu to bring the ending together the way it was going to be. In fact, the whole first episode before they're on the ground, I'm a little hard-pressed to remember what he did besides ride in the ship with everybody. I, I'm not really, I don't think he really did do it much in that part of the episode. I, you know, what, the first half? Yeah. yeah, the first half. He just drove out and got Bendu. Right. That's all he did. No, but he before they were pushed to ground, when they were doing the aerial battle and stuff and all in space. No, he, well, I remember he, he was going out to Bendu while yeah, that he, was going he, he on. he went to Bendu. No, bef- before... No, he was doing that while they were going, yep. while they were out in space. Yep. I thought this was after they all got sent to ground. No. No. He, was that early? Yeah. yeah, it was that early that he, he went out we, to go Because go he was Bendu. supposed to go with Ezra to, to, to get help. Right. And he said, I got to go get a friend. Right. I got to talk to a friend. He convinced Tara to let him go talk to a friend. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it did happen fairly early. So that's obviously a problem for me then, that I can't clearly remember what he did this the first half of the episode. (laughs) Because it seemed to not connect I saw him as a MacGuffin in this episode. That's why I say that. Yeah. He had much more to do in the second half, and I I was fine with what he did, but he was not, he didn't fight a whole lot. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, he was kind of a MacGuffin where he could have had a major role. And I kind of felt like we took him out by sending him to go after Bendu. And although we needed Bendu in the episode, and I get the role that Bendu played, but it really took Kanan completely out of the main part of the storyline, which yeah. to me, as a member of that ghost crew, should have been a major playing point. I don't feel like he was part of it. So right, it's... which is, the, I guess, another point that I want to bring up about Bendu is he's this force guy. He should know what's going to happen anyway. And why did you have to have, send Kanan out to get him? Yeah, to get him to, to understand yeah. what's going on. Right, yeah. the whole attack and everything else would just set him off. And then, okay, I could believe then to get off my lawn. Right. Thing then. Well, I think so. You can't just hope 
that Bendu's going to come and help you. You, I right. think he felt the need to go out and talk to him, and I understand that. Yeah, you know, but at the same point, I see what you're saying. How about um, Ezra in the two-parter? What do you guys think of Ezra? He, he did a lot. I, I was impressed with he. I mean, the from, amount of stuff that we yeah, had. Yeah, they gave him a lot to do, from going out and getting the, the rescue to to coming back and taking out the in- interceptor to. You know, flying the ships and fighting. He did Getting a lot. Getting the Mandalorians on their yeah. side. I mean, I, I would have liked to see more crew members on the ship because yeah. I, I can't see him doing everything, uh, flying the ship and attacking the you know, uh, Tie Fighters and stuff. I would like to see more people on it doing that stuff. Yeah, you know, just show a, a you know a generic rebel guy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that'd have been fine. Um, yeah, him and just Chopper didn't seem to yeah. be believable to fly. And, and, the and Chopper wasn't really doing nothing. He was just right. sitting there standing next to him. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, so okay, so we have Ezra. How about what what do you what do you guys think of the role that the Mandalorians played here? Was that was that a good way to kind of bring in the Mandalorians, having them as the I don't want to say the savior. They really weren't a savior per se, but having them come in to help save the day. Yeah, they're mighty mouse. They they did. They can't, they did. Yeah. Did you like that part of it, though? I mean, yeah. like, okay. Was I correct that first a small group came and then a second group showed up? It looked that way. It, it kind of felt way. like I couldn't that. tell if that was just the same ships finally coming back together or if it was a new set of ships coming in to help. Um, it, it, it could have been the whole squadron that came in because you, you got to remember the main Mandals that were there were on Ezra, they all Ezra's, they all came uh, down, yeah. But they were on Ezra's ship, though. Right, 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 right. So we just followed the ones that were on, that came off Ezra's ship there, and the rest of them were just flying around. Flying so around, it may have been so just right. still them coming in at the end because right. it looked like a second squadron, but it was. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. It felt like that, but I don't think it really was. Yeah. But I don't think it was intended to feel that way. But it, it surely did feel that way. Yeah. What about our commander Sato that dies? Did you guys like the way we took out Sato? I did. It was I, awesome. I, I liked it. It was. Um, it had emotional heft. I l- and the thing is, it was a great moment just to have those two unnamed characters go, we're staying. Right. Because yeah. they understood what the plan was. And it... It actually made me want to go, who are those two yeah. guys? I want to know more about them. You know, like, it was why, a nice why did moment. they choose to decide to stay with Sato and... and Although I still you know. was hoping, because the way he said, prepare for the jump. Yeah. I, I would love to have... Because they knew they'd get pulled out anyway, but they'd get enough of a jump going that they'd hit the ship. I thought they were going to You wanted it. them to go right at the command ship yes. and hyperspace right into the right bridge into of the, the bridge of the command ship. I thought it would have been awesome. And I think that's what he was actually going for. Until the interdictor. Until the interdictor over. got in its way. I think that was the plan, Oh, because he came closer. So he's yeah, like, right. okay, I can just hit it. Well, right. he, he was going for Thrawn's main battle. You think he was going Flexion. for Thrawn's ship? Yeah, I oh, so. I do. Yeah. Okay. And then I think once that interdictor came closer and they had the opportunity to take it out, it was kind of like, well, See, I thought he that's was, a better target. Let's I thought it, his you know? point was to take out the interdictor because then people could escape. If he took it out of Thrawn's ship, they'd still have the capacity of stopping well, him from hyper. I think yeah. it was to distract them just enough to create some sort of an opening for the other ship to get through. Be- because he's as, he's as the ship turns, is. Aimed right for Thrawn's capital ship. Yeah. Right? And then the interdictor kind of like came up and got got in its way. Yeah. And that's why Thrawn got mad because right. if the interdictor had not come out and gotten in his way, probably would have been a different end result. Oh, yeah, they, the they would have had enough of a of a, b- a bombardment of shots to probably take him out before the connection would have Absolutely. I think, I think Cassius uh, kind of destroyed the moment, honestly. Oh, and God. it was... Constantine. God, that was, was a Constantine. So he's yeah. done. That one character, Constantine's is now done. done. I'm assuming, and the, the thing, that, that ship got Sato split was, in half. Yeah, I mean, Sato's dead. He half. sacrificed. He's dead. And, and the thing is, I like that aircraft carrier. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm I did sad too. to see it go. But, but the thing is, you've never seen it later on in any of the... Yeah. Yeah, free, so it free, had to free, go yeah. somewhere along right. the way, you know. And that's the interesting thing, too. Like, when you look at the hammerhead chips, right? Yeah. And they kept flying around, and we're like, well, they can't blow those up because they need them for Rogue One. And a, like, couple, you know, a couple got taken out, A couple got taken out, but they couldn't destroy all of them. They needed a couple yeah, for Rogue that, One. Yeah, that, so. that was a problem I had, too, because if you watch Rogue One, you, you see them getting hit several times by TIE fighters. Yeah. TIE fighters and, right. But they also got hit by shots from the Star Destroyers okay. as well. Yeah. But. Yeah, it, they were pretty hammered pretty hard by the Star Destroyers. So that, you know, I thought all that was kind of interesting. What about having General Dodonna in the episode? Did you guys like that little nod to yeah. a new hope oh very much so he was recognizable immediately yep i like did it. it sound like dodonna that <laughs> yeah, was, i picked it, it threw me off i picked it up yeah yeah i thought I, so i guess i gotta watch a new hope again because i i thought eh, i don't know i like i can't picture dodonna like that going you know well they obviously did not expect for a small one-man fighter to you know like, but that's the thing is, remember he says uh we've gotten the plans for the death star he talked right. like that when he was describing the, I guess, the plans I, for the death I, star. I guess i guess i have to go back and listen to it immediately isn't he episode. the one who says general nadine isn't that his line where he introduces General Nadine to come in and talk? I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I pretty sure. I kind of heard it in his voice. I'm like, oh, that's that's not bad. I still think the best voice we've had in all season, if we're doing impersonations, was the Obi Wan from last episode. Oh, I oh, absolutely holy, agree. Holy crow. I mean, if closing your eyes, if you had, didn't, you know, what I mean, yeah. like you would swear that he we had uh, the age. Ugh. It was it was like a mix between the two. It kind of crossed between the young and the old, and it was oh so good. But we also had a brief bit of. Grand Moff Tarkin in this one. Right. And he sounded pretty good. Yep. Same guy did Obi-Wan last week. Same guy oh, was it the same guy? Yes. Yep. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's the same guy. He's pretty good. I think Steven Stan's a pretty big Star Wars fan, and I think he spent some serious time yeah, listening yeah. And, and really kind of soaking himself into that. Impressive. Most impressive. <laughs> what about Rex? What did you guys think about the... I mean, it was a small role, but Rex played his role in, in this episode. Did you mm-hmm. Did you like... Teaming, you know what? I want to see him team more with Zeb. I feel yeah, like him like and Zeb make a good team. Yeah. Like, they're both that kind of rough fighter. I think well, they get along better. They're, than they're, they're, they're both veterans yep. of, 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 of the wars and stuff. So. Right. And I, I kind of see them both as like a warrior class of whatever group of people they're with. You see, know what the mean? problem of teaming with Zeb with like Ezra, they always fight and bicker. And it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't, I know sometimes that kind of thing can be endearing and can work for a, for a group. It's good, to, you know, if they agree too much, it's, it's just not, wor- work it's just not working with those two. Yeah. But when you put him and Rex together, I feel like they could be drinking buddies. And right. they're kind of fun to watch yeah. work together because they, they have similar class, ideas. Because that's the kind of thing, you know, you go, go what, fight what, together, go drink together. You just know? one word, respect. Absolutely, yes. yeah. yeah. What about Zeb, though? I, like, I kind of felt like we minimalized Zeb's role. He didn't, episode. yeah, apart from doing the mines, firing the missiles, and having a little bit to do during the ground assault. He and just, a he little was, bit in the space yeah, assault because he, he was flying he was ship. Fi- he was fighting, he was a uh, gunner. No, I thought Rex was the gunner and Zeb was flying. They were, oh, both, they were both gunners. Were they, they both gunners? gunners? Maybe they're both gunners on the ghost because doesn't uh, that have two guns? That's right, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, there's a belly and a, and a, and a top yep. gun. So, yeah. yeah, he didn't have a lot to do, but it was a packed episode, so I could understand some characters got to go by the wayside. But he kept, the main thing is he kept that shield running, though. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I and they had them. Pa- and there's another part where they had those two paired together, and they yep. both like celebrated and yelled, and they were working together. Yeah, they make a good team. I really hope they keep them together. What about Chopper in this episode? <laughs> these two episodes, he had very little to do. I know, and I, that's where I was kind of like, yet again, you could have used a droid to help with su- stupid little things. Yeah. He know? did, like, and he did. I mean, he was the one who got the message down to Hera when they got back. Right, he was the broadcast. Yeah, um, he did pilot the ship a little bit when Ezra got out to right. to land on the interceptor and try and destroy the cells. 
the power cells, he, you know, that was, the ship was being flown by Chopper at that time. Right. So he did a little bit, but not a ton. Okay. So we kind of got an idea where we all are. So we kind of have, let, let's, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. And I know this is, uh, now in a wrap up to the season. Maybe next episode we will wrap up the season and talk yeah. about the entire season and our thoughts on the season. So, what do you guys think of? We're going to rate both of them together as one. Like, let's say they're one, one package because they're episode. expected to kind of be a one package yeah. thing. Uh, so, would you do a zero? Don't bother. Or Ten being a must see. Who wants to go first? And everybody looks at me. No, I'm just asking. I'll give it a nine. Wow. Okay. The space battles is what did it for me. Yeah. The one point that they took that I got to take away is Bendu. Okay. I just think it was too convenient. Too easy of a MacGuffin. Right. Okay. The the Doctor Who uh, science <laughs> screwdriver <laughs> yeah. moment. You, yep. you just don't like that element of Which it. Which is funny because it's, it's voiced by the Doctor, yeah, so right. he was a sonic screwdriver. Yep. Yeah. Number five. So instead of a MacGuffin, number we're going to call it the sonic four. screwdriver. <laughs> or instead of the, uh, what is it called when it's the thing that saves them last minute? It's not the MacGuffin, which is what they're after. There's something else. That's the It's the savior. Of, yeah, the savior moment. Or and I can't think of what they call it. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. But anyway, so now it's the sonic screwdriver. <laughs> yep. Uh, I was going to give it a 9, too. Uh, but not because of Bendu, actually. My 9 is more of... I kind of felt like it was a little too chopped up towards the end. I, I wanted a little bit more. I kind of felt like if you wanted to make this an hour and a half episode... I mean, it's Disney XD. You control the channel. Give it a three-episode <laughs> arc. I mean, seriously. Take yeah. three episodes then right, to do yeah. it. What, what you could have done it. What I would like to have seen is like... Uh, the landing of, of Hoth. Right. Know, with the walkers walking across. Right. The, you know. I liked the walkers. I liked all these little things we did, but let's let's show the full effect. I mean, let's yeah. really get the full-on Star Wars effect. Let's do it right. And I kind of felt like we got towards the end. We're like, oh, we've got to quick. we got to finish this up because we got to get into two, two, uh, two half-hour episodes. I'm kind of like, but you're Disney XD. You own it. Like, take the other half hour and keep going with it. And I get Disney's got programming and all that, but, I mean, come on. It's Star Wars Rebels. You'll get an audience. I don't <laughs> think you're going to have a problem with that. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having an hour and a half episode with commercials. So, really, it's not an hour and a half. And I think kids, and let's be honest, it's not really meant for kids, but let's say it is. Kids will sit through that. If they can sit through movies, they'll sit through this. Right. If it's entertaining enough, which I thought a majority of this episode, these two episodes were, I would have done a third episode. I, I would have been totally into it. So just a little too choppy at the end. I want a little, you know, stretch it out a little bit. Give me all the little details I need and want to make this viable and believable. Right. Eric, what do you think? I'm also giving it a nine. <laughs> um, this is the first time we've yeah. got a same number all the way across the board. I think it is. I think it is, yeah. Except for like, well, I think there was a really bad episode we all gave. Maybe, yeah, yeah we're like one. But. <laughs> I felt that, we've said it before, I'll just repeat it, the space battles were very well put together and had that Star Wars feel. Oh, yeah. The, I loved the pacing and the multiple things going on, even the small moments, getting Callus captured. The, the, they even did a small fight. We even had time for a small fight scene between Callus and... Which actually was fairly well it choreographed. Was, it was well done. There was right. a lot of nice side punches and sneak-ins yep. there and stuff like that. I liked that even at the beginning... Thrawn's arrival was to capture Callus. He, he did an announcement of what they were going to do because he probably knew Callus was listening and he tracked him down and captured him and then they went for the base. He, and the signal idea was perfect. Yeah, was. He, had, he was able to track two things and do uh, an ex, a graph, an axis, cross right. them and figure out where these things were ending up. And I thought that was a, a bit of Thrawnism that was awesome. Yep. 
I loved the action sequences. The first half was great. I do agree that the choppiness comes in in the second half. Yeah. Uh, more so, especially because of the, the jumping around, Ezra getting away, hurrying, he's in Mandalore, hurries back with people, fighting more. Bendu, I understand what you guys are saying about him being the sonic screwdriver of the episode, and I, kinda, <laughs> I agree as well. But one of the things that actually upset me most about this episode, and it's such a minor little thing, is that all this episode is about hurrying and rushing, and there's a, we're being attacked, and stuff's going on, and we got to get this done, and there'd be these conversations between characters, and then they'd just kind of slowly walk off as they finished talking. They'd start walking slowly right, somewhere. Yeah. And they kept doing this. Like no one, I noticed, in fact, when Ezra... Kanan and Hera were all talking about what the, how the mission was going to go, and it was this hurry, we got to get this stuff done, and Kanan's like, I'm going to go out in the desert and find this person. Hera's like, I got to go do this, do this. And Ezra's like, okay, I got to get out of here. And they kind of link off. They all kind of link off. Ezra's the only one who turns and runs to his ship, and they even do an aerial shot where he's running, and there two are just kind of doing this slow computer walk. Yeah. And this happened a bunch of times in the episode. I kept seeing it. And I'm like, how comes no one's running anywhere, or at least <laughs> walking fast, or... It's like they'd say a, they'd say stuff about it being very very urgent, and then they, their body language didn't I, match up at all. I noticed that when they they announced or, or they gave the announcement that they needed to evacuate the planet. Yeah, and there was some slow and they walking there. Some pilots, right? And then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, we should evacuate." And it was it, I'm like what? It just yeah, it was bad. It was animation issues yeah, that yeah. pulled me out a bit, but minor little things. Yep. For the most part, it felt like a very epic episode. It had a very good wrap up. I was fine with where it ended. And I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm looking forward to season four. Excellent. So that's what we had to say about these two episodes, the last two of season three of Star Wars wow, Rebels. It seems wrong that we only talked for 33 minutes about know, the big epic finale. But There's got to be we'll, something we haven't talked we'll get about. To, we'll get to some more of it next week. Okay, we can do that, okay. I promise, as we wrap up the entire season. So we'd love to hear from you. If you want to, shoot us a comment over at galaxycast at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of this episode of Star Wars Rebels. and Let us know what you think of anything we talked about today. And as we always like to say here in the Star Production Studios... May the force be with those who listen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line, We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line, You failed for the last time. And look for the GalaxyCast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.